Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Use Guys in That podcast. I'm your host, Jay, and with me, as always, is my uh, partner in crime, Angel the Sound Girl. Hello. You can find her on Twitter at Angel underscore Sound Girl. We're missing our other partner in crime, my co-host, Randy, who is at Randy Rand underscore duh underscore man. He is uh, he's doing other things that are related to the current situation that we all find ourselves in. So we miss Randy to death, and um, we hope to see him soon, so... What's going on today? What do you have? Anything? Um, I have a couple articles that I'm interested in sharing. Um, one of them is written by um, Michael Snyder with the Economic Collapse blog. And that is on fort-russ.com. So that's www f o r t hyphen r u s s dot com and it's why did hundreds of ceos resign just before the coronavirus outbreak which is a very interesting question and then the other article i have is written by gary d barnett with lewis rockwall rockwell.com and um the title of that article is was the coronavirus created as a cover-up for the imminent economic collapse and again that website is uh lourockwell.com i'm sorry not lewisrockwell.com i don't know why i said lewis that's okay um, don't worry about it so it's www.lewrockwell.com excellent all right uh, before we get started i just wanted to go over something that we talked about previously in episode four dealing with the, the guns of the apocalypse I believe I asked you to look up uh, information about the gun sales in March, uh, last month of 2020. And it turns out that, um, according to statistics, this article comes from, as Mr. Trump calls, the failing New York Times, uh, who, by the way, ran cover for Stalin during the uh, Great Famine in the Soviet Union, where 7 million Ukrainians starved to death in a single year. And they've also backed every single uh, conflict that this country has gotten into. So just keep that in mind, even the ones that you might like, and certainly there should be some ones that you don't like. The New York Times has always gone to bat for the establishment. Anyway, uh, their statistics say that about 1.9 million guns were sold during March as a result, maybe, of the coronavirus outbreak. Um, This article was done by Keith Collins and David Yaffe Bellany from the 1st of April of this month. There's only a slight, first of all, it's the second most... uh, Second most uh, with regard to sales, and it's second only to the two million guns that were sold in January of 2013, which were was a culmination of uh, Barack getting a re-elected, re-elected, not re-elected, re-elected, and the Sandy Hook massacre where those little kids were killed, and of course the gun control push started from there. So this is the uh, second place, uh, 1.9 million that recently happened. I took a little umbrage with one of the paragraphs in this article that states that. The monthly sales figures are estimates based on the number of background checks reported by the FBI, which has been publishing the data since 1998. Many sales, especially in states where background checks are not required or at gun shows where buyers may not be subject to background checks, could have gone uncounted. Allow me to clear the air with that deceptive bit of journalism from the New York Times. If you are purchasing a firearm from a gun shop, you do not slide 
an extra 20, an extra 100, an extra 400. Absolutely not. That doesn't happen. You have to put your information down and you they have to call you in for the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. Okay, now private sales in the state that I live in and the state that Angel lives in and Randy, you uh, are not subject to background checks for private sales. Now, I know some individuals who have sold guns privately that still conduct a background check at the cost of the, of the buyer to protect themselves should anything happen with that gun and that serial number that's tied to them from the original purchase. However, it's not, it's not required. You know, it's at your discretion. Uh, also, background checks at gun shows. Yet again, I have more news for you. If that individual at the gun show has an FFL, a federal firearms license dealer, they have to run a background check on you. That's not a negotiation. So I don't appreciate that uh, that that sort of reporting from them. You know, we may, you know some states where it's not required. Okay. What state is it not required? This again, I'm getting to the deceptive part of the writing of this article. That's why I was a little hot when I read this, and I, you know, took time to digest it properly. Have you contacted them for their editorial department because they have sometimes they have sections on there where. You can contact them to correct the article. I might do that. If I feel so inclined, I will. Um, I, I think that uh, what they're talking about as far as background checks on private sales, the so-called universal background check, which they allege that the majority of Americans are in favor for. Well, at one point in time, I bet you the majority of Americans were in favor of having people in bondage uh, picking cotton in the South. So I'm really not interested in the opinions of other people with regard to that. Be that as it may, there are some states, um, I don't know where, where Sal Mayweather lives, if, if private transactions in that area, I'm pretty sure, pro- I'm, I would be willing to bet that New Jersey and, and the state of New York would require a background check on a private sale. Because I think you have to be licensed to own one. You have to apply for your right to be licensed to have a firearm in the house. And there might be some training along with that. I'm not so sure. And just to be clear, regardless of what other people think, on this show, any rules and any infringement on our right to defend ourselves with firearms is unacceptable. We do not agree with any kind of rules regulating our access to firearms to defend ourselves, first of all, personally, and secondly, yes, should someone come around and try to stuff us into a boxcar or what have you. I know that people think that it's unrealistic, and that's fine. I wish I had that luxury to hope, you know, to think that it's not possible. But we here, we don't agree to any of that stuff. All of it's an infringement. With that being the case, I just wanted to clear the air there with these people. So it was the second largest amount of firearms sold since data had been collected, with the first one being first place two million guns in January of 2013. So, yeah. So um, just to answer your question, I didn't look up New Jersey, but I did look up the state of New York. Um, And for the state of New York, I am on uh, safeact.ny.gov. And they have a myriad of questions on here and underneath topics. So I went to the private sales topic. And the first question is. What types of private handgun, rifle, or shotgun sales or transfers are subject to background check requirements? And it says 
The answer is, starting on March 15, 2013, all private handgun, rifle, or shotgun sales or transfers, with the exception of those sales or transfers to and between certain family members, will require a background check of the buyer. Um, so they... <laughs> Because right underneath private sales is safe storage. Um, and the question is, when am I required to safely store my gun? And the answer is, you are required to safely store your gun when a person less than 16 years of age has access to it. You are also required uh, to safely store your gun if you live with someone who has been convic convicted of a felony or a domestic violence crime and has been involuntary committed for mental health reasons okay. or is currently under an order of protection. So um, I just find it interesting. Uh, they also make you register your assault weapons. What's the definition of an assault? Are they even allowed to have magazines over 10? I know they had to augment the stocks for the AR-15s. That they didn't, They're not allowed to have pistol grips, I think. So and it's, um, it's under ten rounds, isn't it? Magazines. How does the Safe Act impact magazines? Is the question. Since 1994, magazines sold in New York could contain up to ten rounds. This continues to be true today. You may buy, sell, and possess any magazine that can hold up to ten rounds, regardless of when it was manufactured. If you have a magazine that can contain more than 10 rounds, you have until January 15th, 2014 to permanently notify, to permanently modify the magazine so that it holds no more than 10 rounds, responsibly discard it, transfer it to a law enforcement agency or officer, or sell it to a dealer or out or an out-of-state purchase. Can I continue to buy 10-round magazines? Yes, the SAFE Act does not affect your ability to continue to buy 10-round magazines. Is there anything else I should be aware of? Hunters should remember that for many years there have been round limitations when it comes to guns used during hunting. In New York, you may not hunt with a semi-automatic gun that can contain more than six rounds unless it uses 22 or 17 caliber rimfire ammunition. It is an auto an auto-loading pistol with a barrel length of less than eight inches or has been altered to reduce its capacity to more no more than six rounds in the magazine and chamber combined. So Sounds like communism to me, but whatever. Uh, ten rounds is like a fucking appetizer where we live. Right? I, I don't think that you should be restricted to... At all. Yeah. Period. I mean... Like, that's... I, you know, and this is what happens, you know, when I was a statist many a moon ago, I used to argue, and of course I was a libertarian before I became just a flat-out anarchist because I have no desire to involve myself with this apparatus, it's well known. But when, when I was a statist and a libertarian, as far as a capital L with like the Libertarian Party, I thought that a great idea would to federalize, make all the major cities in the country federal districts. Like you have Washington, D.C. is a federal district. Uh, I think that you should do it to, at the time I thought you could do it to Chicago, to San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York City, because these major cities, like, the, the, the thing that drives me crazy is, I've been to upstate New York, and those are good people, you know, even out in the, when you're going through the western portion of New Jersey, I have uh, relatives that live in Newton, New Jersey, so as you're driving towards the city on I-80, you cross over from Pennsylvania into New Jersey, 
these people out in, in the country, I mean, there's fucking bears out there, like legit black bears on my uncle's property, black bears running around. So this isn't the urban, you know, like where I was born. I was born in Jersey City, which is right across the river. Yeah. This isn't the same environment. It's once again, the people in the urban areas are dictating what should happen to the people in the rural areas. And there is a very big cultural difference between the two of them. Now, as far as licensing, I find that abhorrent. Uh, I think it's disgusting. I think that uh, buying, I already don't like the fact that uh, I that you have to apply for a concealed carry permit. That's essentially selling my rights back to me. I should be able to carry a weapon concealed on me uh, to protect myself from whoever try, whomever tries to hurt me. Uh, with that being the case, still, just a permit to have a weapon in your house is, frankly, is I could not live no matter how cool and how, how cool the scene is, you know, I'm a big metalhead and I'm a big punk rocker. I don't care how good the fucking shows are. I couldn't live in a community like that where I, my right to defend myself is so restricted. Oh, it's uh, in the state of New Jersey, you are not allowed to do private sales. You cannot purchase a firearm in another state and carry it across into New Jersey. Um, so you can't just be given firearms like whatsoever with the exception, I think if you inherit one, um, you have to do, uh, hold on. It says, if I inherit a firearm, what must I do? Pursuant to NJSA 2C. 58-3J, a firearm purchaser identification card and or handgun purchase permit shall not be required for the passing of a firearm upon the death of an owner thereof to his or her heir or uh, where the same by testa testamentary bequest or by the laws of incestancy, the firearm must be legal to possess in New Jersey. So you don't have to do anything... Um, to to get one bequeathed to you, uh, but yeah, you can't just go out and buy it from somebody else because you have to have a like a license to like sell it to the person, and you have to have like paperwork for that. So I don't know. It, it just don't live in New York or New Jersey because it's communist states. Like, don't live there. There's ways around that. I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say where. But there's ways around. Like that, a lot of people aren't following these stupid fucking communist laws. And, I just and I applaud them. Well, I don't want to live anywhere where they're like, no, you can't do this or that or the other thing, and the rest of the people are like, yeah, we agree. Well, once again, that's why I was saying in these large, it's terrible that these large urban areas that are very uh, left wing, and I mean that in the traditional sense of, uh, you know, when liberals are far more uh, ready to restrict your right to defend yourself and the way you can defend yourself. Like, some of these states don't even have castle, castle doctrine where you have to vacate the property be, um, when someone is invading and you do not have a right to drop them if they're in your house. Uh, I couldn't live in a state like that. I couldn't live in a community like that because once you violated uh, my residence where you're coming in uninvited and I have to leave? No, 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 no. 
you're going to leave. The manner in which you leave depends upon how fast you can run away. Now, this is, of course, when I possessed firearms, which, yet again, I tragically lost in a boating accident at the bottom of some body of water in the area. I don't remember where. But, you know, the fact that uh, some of these states don't allow people, and I, I used to use the word citizen. I've been going back to calling people subjects because this whole situation has definitely made me feel like I live under the king's law and I am subject to what the king, and in this case we have, instead of one absolute monarch, we have over 500 absolute monarchs, and that doesn't even include county commissioners, mayors, and city council people. So um, I feel for you guys out there, man. I'm really sorry that uh, these people have restricted your rights. This is definitely not a case for democracy, um, where 51% or over get to tell the other 49 how to live. I think that it's reprehensible. So, but uh, moving on from that, I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want to, you know, dive too far into that. Otherwise, this would be just a strictly a gun show, which I'm okay with that. But we had some other things to discuss. So what else do we have here? Uh, Why don't you kick us off over there what you had either from Lou Rockwell or the other article that you were talking about. Let's uh, let's jump into that. Yeah, again, I apologize for saying Lewis. Like sometimes I see words and my brain just fills in the rest of the letters, even though... It's not the correct phrase, so I apologize for that. Um, so in this article, um, was the coronavirus created as a cover-up for the imminent economic collapse? Um, you know, he, he's discussing about the different markets, and um, he, he discusses, he says... Regardless of the severity of the so-called virus, in the end, as has happened on multiple occasions before with MERS, MERS, SARS, SARS, or West uh, virus, in the end, um, just like the others, like the you know West Nile virus, the swine flu, um, that all of the wild predictions will once again prove to be overstated or downright false. But the serious economic fallout will remain. The propaganda is being pushed at every level possible from governments worldwide to government health organizations to all mainstream media and from all of those who stand to gain from this, including the pharmaceutical companies, which nobody really talks about that, um, you know, too much how the pharmaceutical companies are going to profit from this because, of course, they're going to try, you know, drugs that are already out on the market to try to see what they can help with the actual people who get it. Now, is it as widespread as, you know, they want you to believe? I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Like, really, I just, you kind of got to filter in that information and make your own decision on what you think is best for you. And, you know, so I'm not saying that it's not real. Or it's, you know, the threat doesn't exist for somebody to get this virus. You know, I want to make that perfectly clear because you got to take your own precautions. Just, I mean, I wouldn't want somebody to go out because of something that I said and, you know, think that they're not at risk. Because you absolutely could be at risk. I don't know. I agree. Um, But, I mean, there was an article saying that, you know, Trump is friends with this guy who has this virus or the um this drug that they want to use for the virus and i forget what it is um but it's some sort of like 
Is this the one where it costs $400 for his friend to make it as opposed to one that the European Union came up with that it was $17 a test and the the, the the federal government said, go fuck yourself, or the administration said, go fuck yourself, but it turns out that Trump's boy yeah. makes it and it's like $400. Yeah, it was like Great. some sort but of wonderful. drug. And I think it was like for malaria. It was like a malaria oh, drug. Okay, I might be talking about something else. And his ahead. friend, like that he knows or he's connected some way or somehow that I didn't really research it because I'm not surprised because this happens all the time. Like he's not the, if that's true, like he's not the only person in any government who has helped out somebody that he knew that made a drug, like just, you know, the opioid opioid crisis in general has to do with senators and other people. Oh, yeah, of course. Being paid off by you Purdue know? Pharma, absolutely. So let's not go there. You know what I mean? Like I just think that that's pot calling the kettle black at that point. Like right. that's no surprise there. But nobody really does like speak about how the pharmaceutical industry is going to profit from this. Um, which I thought that was a good point. To the tunes of hundreds of billions of dollars, I'm sure. And then, so he asks, he says, I began sounding alarms before 2008 and since that time have attempted to make aware of the fact that from an economic standpoint, the markets and the economy have become much worse and much more suspect ever since. After all the manipulation, the quantitative easing, QE, and the continued debt growth, it seemed apparent that a massive economic failure was likely in the future. Is that damning future about to come to fruition? Do the controlling powers that have created this likely economic disaster understand this and seek to place blame on this new coronavirus outbreak as the cause of all financial ills to come? Was this new coronavirus, COVID-19, supposedly created and released so that central bankers, investment bankers, corporate heads, and government puppets could use it as a cover for an imminent economic collapse that has become impossible to contain. This, in my opinion, is a distinct possibility. Political convenience at this level is rarely accidental. And he goes on, he goes on to say, any with any financial collapse in the wake of a pandemic, real or not, control over populations is much easier to implement. Once martial law or medical martial law is in place due to panic, all of society is crippled in the sense that the individual liberty and power is lost, economic freedom is restricted, and societal controls such as a quarantine become reality. I think that's a pretty good article, and Lou is well-known in libertarian circles. Uh you know, that ties into a little bit uh, what I was talking, what I wanted to talk about today. Before I get into a little more of the conspiracy side, I mean, I'm going to try to limit the amount of conspiracy theory talk that we come across. But, uh, you know, this article that I, I looked into is by crimethink.com, which is C R I M E T H I N C.com, has to deal with an article, uh, The Anarchist Guide to Surviving the Crisis. Okay. This uh, it, The article talks about um, the new face of the state of tyranny, and there's a picture of you know police with batons and weapons in full PPE gear, uh, riot gear on top of it, marching towards the cameraman. And it, the, uh, 
the, the, the surviving the crisis portion of this article says, let's be clear, totalitarianism is no longer a threat situated in the future. The measures being implemented around the world are totalitarian in every sense of the word. We are seeing unilateral government decrees imposing total travel bans, 24-hour-a-day curfews, veritable martial law, and other dictatorial measures. Think about how much more resources are being poured into the military, police, the banks, and the stock market than into public health care and resources to help people survive the crisis. It is still easier to get arrested for loitering than to get a test for the virus. It also shows us that we are already living in an authoritarian society. The arrival of the pandemic just makes it formal, as France is putting 100,000 police on the streets, 20,000 more than were deployed at the high point of the Gilets Jaunes protest. I hope that I'm not butchering that. I'm not a French major. Refugees in need of asylum are being turned away along the borders between the United States and Mexico and between Greece and Turkey. In Italy and Spain, gangs of police attack joggers in empty streets. Worst of all, this is occurring with the tacit consent of the general population. The authorities can do virtually anything in the name of protecting our health right up to killing us. So, uh, once again, that's going to be a common theme that you're going to find, at least on this show, that there's always the, 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 the response and how the state's uh, law enforcement officials begin acting or how, they, you know, how this has presented an opportunity for them to clamp down even hard. I and mean, if I could plug a book real quick for any listeners, uh, if you haven't read this, I cannot recommend it enough. I even tweeted at the uh, author and he retweeted my tweet because I was so... Uh, I was so grateful for this book. I'd heard it before. I'd heard Dr. Ron Paul talk about it. This book is phenomenal, and it's called Rise of the Warrior Cop, The Militarization of America's Police Forces by Radley Balco. And he is a Washington Post reporter. Uh, excellent, excellent book. This And it takes you deep into the past, how we got to this point, not just picking up at the drug war, but watching the evolution of police services turn into police forces. It, you guys have to read this because I almost feel like this book needs to be amended now with more chapters based on what we're going to be seeing here in the future as a result. There was a Sal Mayweather, the friend of the podcast, he put up a, he retweeted a picture of a police officer forcibly separating a husband and wife who were sitting too close to each other. Like, first of all, they're married. Okay. So, Sitting next to each other is probably the least of their concerns with any kind of body fluid exchange that's happened between the two of them. At least we hope so for a happy marriage. With that being said, who the fuck does that guy think he is? I'm in charge of my own risk. And secondly, that's my spouse. So I can fucking sit on their lap and vice versa. So if, if, it's, if we choose to do so. Like I could only imagine my reaction if somebody was like, you know, like, for example, like my wife and I went out to take the dog for a walk today uh, early this morning. And I can only imagine what I would say to somebody like, hey, you guys are walking too close together. OK, well, first of all, we're married. So that's what we're supposed to do. Secondly, mind your own fucking business. Costume or not, badge or not, you don't have the right to fucking tell people that shit. And I and I strongly disagree with anybody who thinks that, though, that that cop did the right thing. Stay the fuck out of it. Where's your PPE? Why don't you go back to your base or go shoot dogs or do whatever the fuck it is to leave people alone? Like, I can't, I, I was re that really bothered me that you could go up to a married couple, tell them you're sitting too close together. How about you go fuck yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm all about mind your own business. Um, 
I think that you should definitely always mind your own business, no matter if you're a police officer or, you know, what have you. Like, it, just mind your own business. Don't don't create problems where there doesn't need to be problems. Like, if people are sitting next to each other at a park, you know, chances are they know each other. Because let me tell you something, like, you know, when I was out and about and I was around people, you know, like because I was at the grocery store or I was just out for a walk. Um, when I saw somebody coming, like I would cover my face and move as far as I could possibly in the other direction from them or I would stop and allow them to continue walking their course so that I can continue. If I don't know somebody, I mean, I'm not going to try to infect myself like but you know right in my own household sure you know i'm gonna be around my husband you know and other family members limited contact you know what i mean but like in my household you know yeah i'm gonna be around him so chances are if i'm sitting next to somebody i know them and chances are if you see somebody sitting next to somebody they know them or live with them or have been around them so just mind your own business uh, well said. Uh, I couldn't uh, agree with you more. Mind your own fucking business. So what else do you got for us today, uh, Angel the um, Sound Girl? Just, you know, in conjunction with what you were just um, talking about and finishing up with that article from Lou Rockwell. Um, you know, he goes into talking about the martial law and he says, you know, he asks his call of action is it is time to fight back. And to find the real cause of this manufactured panic. This panic is desired by those at the top. So what is the real agenda here? Why is this happening? And what is being hidden from view? And I like that he asks questions at the end of the article, such as, what are they hiding from you? Yeah. You know, what is the purpose of this? You know, so... I mean, I don't know what the, the hidden agenda is or what's being hidden from our view, but I think that, you know, it's a good question to ask yourself and try to determine based upon whatever knowledge you have. Um, so I think that, you know, some of the questions would be like, how would you fight back? And so, what are some of the ways of fighting back for regular people? Yeah, that's a wonderful question because, unfortunately, I think people are limited by, first of all, fear is a, is a hell of a factor. When people are scared to go outside or scared to be around others, you know, that's going to limit your ability to, quote, fight back at the system. Uh, apart from, you know, gathering in groups secretly, let's say, uh, and uh, hanging out together. But then again, is there a responsibility on the individual to make sure that if they, they could be asymptomatic and not getting people sick? I understand that. Um, when it comes to the stock market and all this bear versus bull and all that, the stock market, of course, is like you know the Las Vegas for rich people. And that's I've always said that. It's there. It's where they go to gamble. The uber rich, the super rich people, not the people that you know run a small business. I'm talking about the people who really control things and only answer to the banks. Uh but it's also a barometer about confidence of individuals in the economy, okay? Uh, I, I, what you can, people, before we start talking about organizing, before we start talking about 
getting people together and getting a movement together and all this other shit. Because there's plenty of movements that already exist, small and large, okay? They're just like bowel movements. They exist. They're already happening. What can you do as an individual? Well, like, you know, once again, our friend of the, uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Sal Mayweather, in that excellent episode that he had, uh, WTF is agorism, um, or agorism, however you want to pronounce it. You know, he talked about certain things that you could do to get started. And one of them is to start a garden, okay? Get a 3D printer. Start making things on your own, okay? And, you know, I'm a big fan of farmer's markets. I take my dog. I like. I meet, I meet my parents up there. I take my wife and I go up there. And, you know, in the summertime when the, they were running it, we'd go up there and just walk around and see. There's people who are beekeepers that raise bees that collect the honey and sell local honey, which is supposed to be good for your allergies because they're using local pollen. And I have a lot of issues with allergies seasonally, like with tree pollen. Um, there's people that are making their own, like, you know, cupcakes and uh, uh, bakery items, bread, dog biscuits, organic dog, like really expensive organic dog biscuits. Uh, and uh, all that stuff is tax-free. You're depriving the state of tax money, and you're helping local people who are producing. Like there's also literal people from farms that will come with their truck full of produce, you know, whether it's leeks, whether it's uh, squash, also broccoli, whatever. Cucumbers, Cucumbers et cetera. Wonderful stuff, and it's local, and you know they guarantee that they don't use harmful uh, chemicals when it comes to raising their crops. It, these are these are people that are in your community, and you can help them directly. That's real agorism. That's real agorism, however you want to pronounce it. But to get started as individuals, we need to start being a little more self-sufficient because the grocery store could run out of those things. Do you know how to keep a garden going? Do you know how to grow things? Well, how do you, you know, store the produce and that too? Like once you have the the stock, like do you have to can it? You know, um, can you freeze some of these things? Great point. You know, I know broccoli you can freeze. You know, yeah, broccoli um, you can freeze, and squashes do keep a little bit longer than uh, some of the other uh, vegetables that you're going to be growing. But yeah, canning that's another great one because then you turn those cucumbers into pickles. Yeah. But these are small solutions that we as individuals can engage in on a very small scale to start and it doesn't necessarily need to be for profit it could be for your own profit just to have them so when the grocery store does run out of stuff you don't right and as far as 3d printing there are so many pdfs out there with different things that you can make from lego pieces like i see on uh, my kids really into legos uh even now as as he, he's a little bit older which is fine i think it's great i think whatever you're into there's so many different, like, the company Lego had such a stranglehold that everything else was kind of junky. It wasn't that cool. It wasn't as nice. Now, even if you go on Amazon, there's so many different companies making uh, Lego-style toys or models, for example. Um, now, if you go on to Etsy, there are ones that make uh, specific ones, like I was looking up World War I soldiers for uh lego world war one soldiers and there there's people who have 3d printers who are making lego guys that are austro-hungarian alpine mountain soldiers that's really cool with the with the accurate uh, rifles and Aww, things like that that's really cool yeah th and that's just a taste like they have other ones that have the style helms the german helmets you know that you see uh there's uh, a friend of the podcast that'll be on at some point uh, mike hughes who is an artist who has a couple of books already on uh, Amazon about uh, uh, you know this uh, about uh, uh, someone's dog becoming a superhero? Uh, I don't want to get too much into it because I would like to have him come over here and into the studio and talk to us about it. Uh, I showed him some dioramas 
before that they were doing for trenches. There were people who made trenches with the fucking barbed wire and the duck boards from the Great War and made them as Legos, compatible with actual Lego pieces you would buy at a toy store. And he says, oh, yeah, I can do that with my 3D printer at at least half the cost that you would be paying. Well, that right there, guys, is an avenue. It's an avenue for you at least get started doing something. You know, I think the garden is the literal easiest thing that you can do. Yeah, and then, like, you know, freezing whatever it is that you, you know, uh, grow yourself. I, I mean, you know, you, I could always try and look up to see what the best, you know, fruits and ve- well, vegetables. Um, you could grow strawberries. Um, you could freeze strawberries, you know. Yeah, and like blueberries that. and thing, blackberries, things like that. You know, because sure. I'm lazy, so I like to do whatever's <laughs> easiest. Right. So if I can just take it you know, out of the garden and, you know, wash it off, of course, and then let it dry and put it in a freezer bag and let it freeze. So that way I have it in the future because canning, that might be too much work for some people. It sounds like a lot of work for me. Well, it's a lot of storage, I would think, too, because you have to keep the mason jars. You have to get shelving installed and stuff. I mean, if this stuff means something to you, then, of course, you're going to make the adjustment. But even if you're canning just a few items that'll keep you from starving to death, should the the poop hit the air conditioning. I mean, that's something to consider. So, you know, not all hope is lost, but you got to start looking at an individual level, I think, before. First of all, during this quarantine, and I know Pete Quinones uh, had somebody on his show that talked about a free book that's out there, and he was like, you know, there's so many different free books that are out there right now that you could be learning something for those. Like Angel and I both uh, are still going to work, but I know a lot of you aren't, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not your fucking fault. But take this time to educate yourself. If you have if you have the time and you're not going to work and you have you can't fucking go anywhere. It's not like it's vacation. You know, you're stuck in your fucking house. If you have the internet, get on there and start learning something. Even YouTube, I was thinking about like I was gonna put a, a regiment together for doing heavy bag workouts because I'm not in jujitsu, I'm not taking boxing classes, I'm not taking kickboxing or muay thai right now because I'm in the middle of graduate school. And it's a little bit difficult to sign up for all that stuff when you have all these responsibilities of working full-time and going to school part-time, studying and taking care of a family. It's hard to squeeze all of that in. I tried for a while. It wasn't that it, it didn't leave you a lot of time for anything else. But you can go on, on YouTube right now and, and get workouts. You can get yoga workouts to stretch your back out, to give you a little bit more flexibility, you know, to keep, you know, there's body weight exercises not everything is lost. I mean, I have a coworker of mine who said that uh, YouTube is a father that he never had because he's learned how to fix his car so many times because of people on YouTube fixing air conditioning units because he also uh, he also owns a couple of properties where he's a landlord, him and his wife. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he, he said that, uh, oh, in order to save money, he's learned how to fix all of these things. And my spouse... Uh, didn't grow up in the most uh, economically uh, stable conditions that one can imagine. In fact, quite the opposite. And uh, when we got together, like if something broke, she would get on the Internet and look shit up and figure out how to fix fucking washing machines, figure out how to wa- fix, uh, fix dishwashers. She even did a little bit of electrical work, shit that is well beyond my scope. I could talk to you about theories of political science. I could talk to you about history. I could talk to you about firearms. But one thing I can't do is I'm not mechanically inclined. But my spouse, who is mechanically inclined because she had to be, because there was no, oh, the dishwasher stopped uh, working. We're just going to buy a new one. 
No, no, no. That's not the situation she grew up in. She grew up in a situation where you had to figure out how to get that motherfucker to work. And, uh, you know, she's half German, so she has that uh, mechanical ability and the determination. She's a little difficult to work with when she gets angry, though, because then she starts flailing off everywhere else. That's why you have to. I'm like the, the hired. I'm like the hired laborer. She's like, pick this up and move this over there. I'm like, OK, that's what I'm going to do. But, yeah, take the time if you have the time to learn something new. And to keep your mind sharp. Don't just fucking sit around and don't do anything. I mean, and get, and get outside. Even if you don't have a dog, go for a fucking walk. Look around. Start a podcast. Read. Do something to keep your brain sharp. Try to learn something new. So that's it. I'm going to get off my soapbox there. Okay. So the second article that I had mentioned previously, um, why did hundreds of CEOs resign just before the coronavirus outbreak? All right. And it's by Michael Schneider um, with the Economic Collapse blog. And the website that it's on is fort-russ.com. Um, and he starts off by the article stating, In the months prior to the most ferocious stock market crash in the history and the eruption of the biggest public health crisis of our generation, we witnessed the biggest exodus of corporate CEOs that we have ever seen. In life, timing can be everything, and sometimes people simply get lucky, but it does seem odd that so many among the corporate elite would be so exceedingly lucky all at the same time. In this article, I am not claiming to know the motivations of any of these individuals, but I am pointing out certain patterns that I believe are worth investigating. One financial publication is using the phrase, the great CEO exodus, to describe the phenomenon that we have been witnessing. It all started last year when chief executives started resigning in numbers unlike anything that we have ever seen before. The following was published by NBC News last November. Chief executives are leaving in record numbers this year with more than 1,332 stepping aside from in the period from January through the end of October, according to new data re released. While it's not unusual to see CEOs fleeing in the middle of a recession, it is noteworthy to see such a rash of executive excess amid robust corporate earnings and a record stock market highs. Last month, 172 chief executives left their jobs, according to the executive placement firm Challenger Gray and Christmas. It is, it is the highest monthly number on record, and the year-to-date total outpaces even the wave of executive excess during the financial crisis. By the end of the year, all an all-time record high of 1,480 CEOs had left their post, but to most people it seemed like the good times were still rolling at the end of 2019. Corporate profits were rising and the stock market was setting record high after record high. Yes, there were lots of signs that the global economy was really slowing down, but most experts were not forecasting an intimate, an intimate recession. So um, the article goes on to state, so why did so many chief executives suddenly decide that it was time to move on? The following are just a few of the big name CEOs that chose to step down in 2019. Dennis Mullenberg with Boeing. United Airlines, Oscar Muniz, Alphabet, Larry Page, Gap, Art Peck, McDonald's, Steve Easterbrook, Wells Fargo, Tim Sloan, Under Armour, Kevin Plank, PG&E, Gesha Williams, 
Kraft Heinz, Bernardo Hees, H.P. Dion Wessler, Bed Bath & Beyond, Stephen Tamares, Warner Brothers, Kevin, I don't know how to say that last name, uh, Suhare? Sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, Best Buy, Hubert Jolly, New York Post, Jesse Angelo, Colgate and Palmolive, Ian Cook, MetLife, Stephen Kendarian, eBay, Devin Wing, I'm sorry, Winig, Devin Winig, Nike, Mark Parker, and of course, the mass exodus of chief executives did not end there. Um, That's just the 2019 list? Yeah. Okay. So... Um, 219 CEOs stepped down during the month of January 2020 alone. By then, it was starting to become clear that the coronavirus was ripping through China and it could potentially become a major global pandemic. Some of these CEOs uh, had made absolutely absurd salaries for many years, and it makes it easier to take the money and run than to stick around and steer a major corporation through the most difficult global crisis that any of us has ever experienced. The following are just a few of the well-known CEOs that have resigned so far in 2020. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney. Jeannie Rometty, CEO of IBM. Harley Davidson CEO Matt Leventock. T-Mobile CEO John Laguerre. LinkedIn CEO Jeff Wigner. MasterCard CEO Ajay Banga. Keith Block, co-CEO of Salesforce. To Jan Theme, CEO of Credit Suisse, whatever that is. Um, Hulu. Suisa? Yes, yeah, Suisa. Okay. okay yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, I I don't know how to pronounce weird words. Uh, Hulu, CEO Wandy, Randy Freer. Um, so, meanwhile, top corporate executives were dumping billions of dollars of worth of shares in their own companies just before the market completely cratered. The following comes from the Wall Street Journal. Top executives at the U.S. traded companies sold a total of roughly $9.2 billion in shares of their own companies between the start of February and the end of last week. A Wall Street Journal analysis shows the selling saved the executives, including many of the financial industry's potential losses total, totaling $1.9 billion, according to the analysis, as the S&P 500 stock index plunged about 30% from its peak on February 19th through the close of trading March 20th. In the stock market, you only make money if you get out in time, and many among the corporate elite seem to have an impeccable timing. Agreed, they sure do. Um, so several members of Congress were also selling off stocks before the market went nuts. Senator Dianne Feinstein of California and three of her Senate colleagues reported selling off millions um, of stocks in the days before the, or so, I'm sorry, stocks worth millions of dollars in the days before the coronavirus outbreak crashed the market. So, I mean, the rest of us, we don't get that information. No. And to be clear, uh, Diane Feinstein is an enemy of the people. Uh, she's the one who said that if she could get uh, a bill passed where Mr. and Mrs. America turn them all in, she would have. She would have. She would have had the votes to make sure that everybody had to forcibly turn in their firearms. She would have voted for that. 
she's a big proponent of assault weapons bans, uh, handgun registration. She's an enemy of the people, a real enemy of the people. And uh, despite all of her, you know, uh, self-aggrandizing work that she's done on the uh, senior member of the Intelligence Committee and all this other shit, she has been a part of the torture apparatus that the CIA has been running. Um, you know, what's funny about this is, are we going to look back at this event the way that we look back at 9-11? You know, we don't have, we have access to information now that we didn't have access to at 9-11. Um, I mean, of course, I was 21 at the time, and, you know, the internet was obviously working just fine, but the amount of resources weren't as much as they are now. Well, um, and I think, too, like, you didn't have the the widespread use of the internet like we do now because every device is connected to the, the internet and things like that. And... I, I agree with that. Uh, do these people know something? Of course they know something because their donors are the rich people that play at that rich people's Vegas. So, of course, they're going to take care of the people that took care of them and vice versa. I mean, this is this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. What this should be is a call to action because this, these are your elected, democratically elected representatives who are benefiting from insider knowledge about how shit's going downhill. None of you are, are getting a fucking life jacket when this boat goes down. Let me tell you the first fucking thing. You're locked in third class with the rest of the scumbags. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and... I just, if it were you or I who had done that, we would be in jail. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know how, there's, the reason why they did it is because they can legally. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, hey, whatever, like, to each their own, if, if you, you know, want to try and make a profit and you get an early tip or whatever and you decide to act on that tip, that's your own business, you know, like. I couldn't say that I wouldn't do the same thing if I maybe had stock and somebody's like, hey, just FYI, this is coming. Um, I probably would have sold mine off, too, if I'm being honest. If you were a senator, if you were a member of Congress. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's that's great. But you doing that as a private person, that's far different, I believe, than somebody who does it from a position of power who can enact legislation to protect their interests and their fortunes at the cost of the common people. Right, but I mean, like, I'm not going to do it just to be, oh, well, I'm not going to sell my stock off because, you know, everybody is going to think that I'm ethically wrong. Like, yeah, is it, you know, well, morally, like, wrong to do that? Probably, but is it against the law? No. So if it's not against the law... I'm going to do whatever I am allowed to do within that law, and I can't fault anybody for doing that. I really can't. It Does it piss me off? Yeah, of course it pisses me off. But, I mean, I couldn't say that I wouldn't do the same thing if I was in that position, if I was allowed to do it, and if, I mean, had the resources. Fair enough. All right, well, um, I, it still doesn't make me hate them any less, and... Uh... I still think all of those uh, individuals are enemies of the people, and uh, that's not, there's not much that's going to be able to change my mind when they're able to basically get themselves a golden parachute to escape while the rest of us are getting a golden shower in our eyes. Uh, it's not cool, and if there were real justice in this world, those people, something very drastic would be happening to them. I'm not going to say what, but I'm sure that you could get a picture. So, uh, do you got anything else for us today? Um, no, those were my two 
articles that I had that I thought were interesting. They were interesting, and thank you for sharing them. Uh, we'll be posting those in our show notes. If anybody wants to take a look at them and read them for themselves, uh, please feel free to do so. Uh, we had talked about on the show when this whole thing is going to be over, and uh, there's already articles, and I, I pulled this straight from Drudge. It's from the newsobserver.com. This, once again, will be in our show. I'm going to try to post as many articles that we cite on this show in the show notes. This one is, uh, once again, from the News Observer that says that the 4th of July is not for three months, but an event associated with the federal holidays, but events, excuse me, associated with federal holidays are already being canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic. In the last 10 days, at least half a dozen Independence Day events have been scrapped across the nation from Redwood City, California, to Southport, North Carolina, to Ithaca, New York. In each case, apologetic community leaders have cited risk of people possibly being affected by a virus that has killed more than 91,000 people worldwide based on an April 9th data from Johns Hopkins University. Some of canceled events date back more than 225 years. Um... Among the biggest cities that have fallen as casualties um, is the Fair St. Louis, which announced April 3rd it was canceling America's biggest birthday party. Three-day event attracts 250,000 people, well, did last year per KMOV. Cancellations include festivals, parades, and fireworks displays, anything that might prompt people to violate stay-at-home orders or recommendations against crowds of 10 or more people gathering. Optimists have been quick to criticize cancellations, believing that surely things will be better by July. Uh, I cannot agree with that statement. If you're seeing this now in April, that means that somebody has told someone, don't fucking plan on spending any of your budget money on these so-called freedom celebrations. I think it's hilarious that people want to celebrate their freedom on Independence Day when they have been shown that you have no fucking freedom. But anyway, uh, that's a, that's another issue. But Trust, I don't see us getting out of this hole for a while. I, I hope that by the uh, Independence Day holiday, we're able to barbecue and drink and fornicate and smoke reefer and have all the fun that we should on Independence Day. Uh, you could you could still do that, but there ain't going to be any goddamn fireworks. I wonder if they're also canceling it because they don't want to spend the money on the celebration and things like that because... Of this situation, the coronavirus situation, they may have to use some of that money out of their budget to, you know, go into other areas, you know, for the for the state. You know what I would do if I were a mayor of one of these shitty little towns, including the shitty little town that I live in or the one that you live in? You know what I would do? I'd be like, you know something? We can't make you stay at home, but we're still going to have fucking fireworks just to maybe remind you motherfuckers of what it used to be like and how maybe you should be able to do something about it, you know, if you're unhappy with the current situation. <clears throat> I thought Independence Day was supposed to be about being defiant, not compliant. Well, you know, I thought that this coronavirus just went away when it was warm outside, that it didn't spread during the warm summer months. And, you know, it's really just, you know, a, a cold uh, disease, you know, cold weather disease. It's just wintertime. That's the only time it's going to come Is about. Is that something Trump said? That's stuff that, okay, I have heard coworkers of mine oh, tout Jesus. that bullshit, okay, yeah. on several different occasions. Um I have heard that on the news, 
here and there. Um, I think initially I saw that in a couple of articles. I didn't click on it because we all know that that's bullshit. Oh, yeah. Like a virus or a bacteria or a sickness can spread whether it's cold environments or warm environments. And all it needs to do is just, I mean, I I don't, maybe not everyone because I'm not that qualified. I should rephrase that. I don't want to annoy somebody that knows everything about it. Oh, I get but, it. I understand. You know, um, if I'm sick with a virus, as long as that virus can be transported in between myself and whoever I come in contact with, it doesn't care about the outside temperature. Like it it cares about how is how am I going to infect somebody else? You know what I mean? So yeah, if you're in like a frozen tundra and the virus freezes, it'll stay frozen and once it warms up then it can, you know, spread or whatever, I'm sure. Right. But, find a host. Sure. You know, the host transmission is what's most important. Weather related activity has nothing to do with it, I wouldn't think. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Okay. Well, um, like I said, I wish that uh, we had uh, we would remember more of our defiant roots as Americans, where, regardless of where you come from. Uh, most of us here, even if you're, uh, you know, if you're fresh and just got here, uh, you've inherited it used to be a tradition of rebellion, whether. It was overthrowing an empire or, you know, John Brown going down to uh, arm uh, slaves and <laughs> fight the government. And he paid with his life for that. Uh, we, we're, we inherit a tradition of being defiant. And I hate seeing Americans queue up and bend the knee. I think it's disgraceful. So, uh, so yeah. So look forward to having your Independence Day canceled. And maybe your, uh, well, definitely I, Memorial Day is the next one. That's the next big federal holiday. So who knows what the fuck they're going to do with that? Because generally they have parades for Memorial Day and barbecues and all that fucking happy stuff. Um, so probably that's going to be going away first, obviously, because it's next. But that'll be that'll be a good barometer. Let's put it that way. It'll be a good barometer to see if Memorial Day stuff gets canceled. You could probably bet on Independence Day getting the axe as well. So um, moving on. A friend of mine was uh, freaking out about uh, something that was on the news. It uh, made headlines all over the all over the internet about uh, mass burials happening on Hart Island in New York. Uh, this article will also be posted to the show notes. Um, pandemic claiming at least five thousand and sixty-five lives in New York by Friday. Overwhelmed mortuaries have moved unclaimed bodies, many that had been held for more than a month from people who died of other causes to the island in order to make space for coronavirus casualties. Aerial photos of the burials published Thursday by the Associated Press offered viral portraits of one of the darkest moments since the pandemic began. Even as signs continue to emerge Friday that the outbreak may be near its peak in New York, the national epicenter of the global crisis, city officials said that the number of confirmed COVID-19 cases continues to rise. The total was expected to hit 100,000 by the end of the day. And those are the ones we know about. Communist Mayor Bill de Blasio said at a press conference, adding that it's likely hundreds of thousands more have been infected but not tested. Well, no shit, you fucking genius. Uh, develop, the developments on Hart Island further underscore the urgent challenges facing New York officials. The facility off the coast of Bronx has been used for a century and a half to bury New Yorkers who have no next of kin and those whose families are too poor to afford a private burial. 
The city is currently burying 125 people per week there with 25 people interred per, per day, five days a week. Typically, there are 25 burials per week. The number was up to 100 a week last Friday, Politico reported. I watched them do this. Now, for regular burials, just in case anybody is not familiar, uh, I was going to get into funeral directing when I was in high school uh, because I was a morbid, disgusting individual. Until on career day, the the funeral director came and said, wait until you have to bury your first kid, your first little kid. Wait until that happens. And then I immediately decided that wasn't for me because even though I'm a dark and disgusting human being, I couldn't imagine doing that. And I'm glad somebody does it because it happens, unfortunately. With that being the case, when you bury people traditionally, you get something called a vault, all right? Now, you have the box. You can call it a coffin or a casket. In this country, caskets are far more prevalent than coffins. That are, you know, the coffins are wider at the shoulders and they kind of uh, taper down to the feet. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, like you see Dracula come out of a coffin, rah, you know, it's this, you know, this, you know, strange looking box. Yeah. The casket is very linear and it's, uh, it almost looks like a rectangle. Um, in this, uh, where we live, they, they, you buy the plot, they dig the hole, the, the uh, vault has a bottom piece. It's usually made out of concrete. It can be made out of other... I've seen ones that are bronze, okay? Uh, all depends on the budget that you want to spend for housing a dead person. They put the bottom of this at the bottom of the grave. They have the service, and they lower the box, the, the casket, onto this piece, and then they put the vault on top of it. A lot of this, yes, does have to do... With making sure that the uh, you know the people get the impression that the body is going to be preserved forever, which it's not. Okay, it's not going to happen. Uh, but it's also about the collapsing of the ground, like the weight of the of the soil on top of the casket crushing it, and then the ground being uneven. Like when you go through the cemetery and people are looking to put rel- uh, you know flowers and shit on their dead relatives' graves, you, you, these they wouldn't be good to have these moonscape dips in and people rolling their ankles or what have you stepping on uneven earth so just to give you an idea what they're doing in new york i watched the video is they're pine coffins you know cheap material they're the body bag the the corpse is placed in a body bag and then the body bag is placed inside these very inexpensive caskets and they're stacked two on one and two uh top and bottom and there's no vault there's no uh liner none of that stuff in the grave it's just it's just it's literally a mass grave and my my friend was freaking out about it but like i told him i said they've been using that island for a long time this isn't just for corona this has been they've been at it for a long time because unfortunately people don't have the money that's why i'm I'm an advocate for uh for direct cremation you get straight to the fire it's the cheapest and i don't know why they they haven't done that with these why are they that's a good question that that's a really good question is it, it has to be far less expensive far less uh contaminated as well and then you're putting you're putting a body bag inside of a casket that you're putting inside of the earth like i mean i don't know what the body bag is made out of but i'm plastic i imagine i mean like so like that the body's just gonna stay inside the plastic and just be all putrefied inside of the plastic yeah and the plastic's not gonna break down oh that's so gross like why don't wait could you imagine when i saw a picture of this shit i was like could you fucking imagine the rodent issue you must have there because the rats no the rats are already bad in new york but you imagine though like on this island where they don't have like here like in a regular graveyard, you you could dig all day. You're not getting in that fucking vault unless you have a crane. 
You're not getting in it. Right. It's not happening. But over, but at, at, on Hart Island, that's not going to be a problem. Okay? That's then, not going to be a problem. And, and then, then do you, the rats leave? Bingo. That's where I was going with that. Did they take it with them? Oh, my God. See, this is why people are stupid. They don't think these things through. And I'm not an expert by any means, but that just sounds like a bad idea to me. I mean. I agree. Like, when we watched uh, we watched Chernobyl together, remember that? And when the people who got sick from direct exposure to the open reactor at the nuclear power plant, those people, when they died, they got placed in metal coffins and the communist government put them in the ground and then over top of filled the entire grave with concrete. Like you're not getting like this shit's not going anywhere. These the, the contaminants are not going anywhere. I mean, if there's one thing that communist governments are good at, it's they're good at burying lots of people. They're very proficient at burying lots of human beings. So with that, I, I don't know what New York City officials are thinking because, like, this is not just, you know, unfortunately poor people who pass away or people who have no next of kin and they got to do something with you because nobody claimed you, okay? Or they can't afford to claim you. These are infected corpses. And they're easily accessible to rats or, you know, what other, any other uh, animal that wants to get in there and start chewing. Because. Fucking rats are, especially in New York City, they're they're tough. They're they're different. They're almost like their own breed. They're subbreed of rat. NYC rat. You know, they're a tough fucking bunch. I mean, if you had an army of them together, you could probably take yeah, they, over Delaware. No, they know what the poison is, and like so the like the newer you know freshly born rats. Like not, I shouldn't say freshly born, but like the newer rats that haven't been in the colony for a while like if something new is randomly placed there the older rats are like we know this is poison we're gonna let you eat it first and see what happens to you and then they decide based upon his reaction whether or not it's safe to eat because they have figured out that we're killing them with poison and they avoid it like it well, I read something else by a book uh, by Dr. – not doctor. I don't think he has a doctor. He had a Ph.D. He has a master's. Howard Bloom called the Lucifer Principle. And he talks about how in colonies of rats that if one member of the family finds a morsel that is poisoned, they will urinate on it and defecate all over it to warn everybody else, hey, don't go near this. So I – Either way, they're smart enough to know what to consume and what not to consume. So I would just, I want to caution people, get ready for coronavirus rats running through the fucking subways, running all over the five boroughs, maybe even going to Jersey. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know why anybody didn't think of that. Now, maybe they don't know enough yet, but it should have been something to consider from the beginning. Like, listen, we're not protecting these graves from being... Uh, opened up by rodents and all sorts of parasites getting in there, you know, different animals, possibly, whatever. Yeah, like eating the fucking... How about flies? I don't know. There's corpse flies that'll dig into the ground to find corpses. It's, I mean, it's wild. I, I just, I had to talk about that because it's something that's been bothering me. Yeah, no, it freaks me out. Like, and I mean, like I said, I don't know much about anything, you know, um, but what I can tell you is that during the bubonic plague the rats carried it because of the fleas yeah and you know the rats like helped spread that mm -hmm. um sure. 
So why wouldn't the same thing apply here? And maybe there is an explanation for it that maybe it's okay. I don't know. But I just wouldn't take the chance. Like, I'm just one of those people that where, like, I'm extra precautious and I just don't want to take the chance. So I'm I'm on the opposite end. I go to the extreme. I'm like, well, just in case, here's what I'm going to do. Sure. You know? Yeah, I, I don't... Uh... I don't blame you at all. So that's all I have for today. This is uh, not as dense of an episode, I don't think. Um, We did have something happen recently with uh, UFOs close to where Angel and I live. It happened somewhere like there was there were sightings in both Detroit and uh, and Cleveland. Um, I don't know what I did with the article. I, I can't seem to find it for whatever reason. But there were lights that were seen both in Detroit and the city of Cleveland uh, in different patterns. And this was there's videos on YouTube uh, regarding, you know, th- this anomaly. Um, Angel seems to watch or read or pay a little more attention to what's going on with UFOs, than, especially than I do. I can't speak for Randy as much. But I don't know if you'd heard about this and uh, if you had any idea what the fuck is going on over Lake Erie. I had not heard about the recent um, UFO sightings in which you're referring to. I did see, because I do frequent the Drudge Report, there was an article about the same UFOs um, being sighted across, you know, the world, not just in the United States, but across the world. Okay. And I did not click on it, um, but I can say that I believe it to be the government aircraft whatever that is if it's a space vehicle if it's a like advanced fighters or something like that yes because chances are when you're seeing these and they're the same lights and they're the same you know patterns and you're seeing them all over the world like i would just caution to check to see Okay, before I think it's an alien in a spaceship, mm-hmm. um, what are the closest air bases or military bases nearby? Because chances are it is a program in which they're developing, you know, whatever aircraft, um, spacecraft, whatever you want to consider it as. Because it moves really, really fast. Um, you it know, seems to defy the laws of physics, allegedly. Right. So, I mean... Chances are it's something that we've developed and we don't want to make public um, for whatever reason that is. Or it could be aliens. I mean, but I just tend to go with if it's weird, it's usually us. So not that, you know, aliens don't exist someplace else in this vast universe. I'm not saying that. No, I get it. I just don't think what people see here are necessarily spacecraft from another planet with aliens coming to probe us like i just don't think that that's what's happening okay so fair enough and that's probably accurate uh you know i think most of the anomalies that we see in the skies and you know another thing that pisses me off man i was talking to my wife about this every single we have i have in my hand a 4k capable camera on my cell phone video and regular, uh, you know, picture camera. Every single fucking UFO video was filmed with a potato. 
the film is so bad. Yeah. Like, we can't ever fucking discern that the video was terrible. It's just, I don't know if it's because they're focused, but, like, it's just like Sasquatch, and I don't want to go there right now, but every single image is dog shit. Well, and, you know, it could be, too, because of, like, the type of universe that we do live in, and if you get into, like, quantum mechanics and physics and all of those things that I don't know a lot about, um... But surface reading, you know, some people think that these entities are traveling through space and time, mm. um, which it's possible. Anything's sure. possible. Of course it is. You know, um, I would like to think, you know, if these aircrafts or, you know, spacecraft, whatever, that people are seeing... You know, they say that, like, it glitches across the sky or it moves so fast that it's almost like I've heard the expression used, like, you fold up a piece of paper, like, um, and then you draw across it, and it's like, that's what you're seeing, like, because it's going in and out of space time. So you're seeing it blip because it's traveling through space time, um, which is... If you can manipulate the space-time around you, then you can travel at different speeds and differences, okay. uh, different distances and things like that. So it's possible, you know. All but... right. Well, I appreciate that insight, and hopefully someday we'll find a tire that doesn't run flat or get punctured, excuse me, uh, if we can go through space-time. That would be nice to get one of those and also... You know, maybe windshield wipers that last a little bit longer than a season. So, um, I don't have uh, anything else. Do you? I do not have anything else, no. Uh, would you like to give us what your um, your Twitter handle is again for anybody who wants to follow you? It's uh, at Angel underscore Sound Girl. All right. And our absent uh, co-host whom we love and miss, Randy, is at Randy Ran underscore Duh underscore Man. And my personal one is at Jay Colo. Uh, our Twitter handle is the same as the Instagram, as, as it is for Facebook. It's at UseGuysPod. I'd like to thank all of those who followed the page recently uh, this past Friday for the uh, Freedom Follow for Follow. Thanks to Kathy at Capymar. That's C-A-P-P-Y-M-A-R. She's done such a fantastic job at trying to get uh, liberty-minded people together from all over the spectrum and she's greatly appreciated. She's definitely helped uh, get this podcast uh, a few more likes, a few more listens, and uh, we appreciate her so very much. I also a big shout out to once again, as always, my graduate cohort that we've been uh, slogging through the trenches uh, for this uh, last semester. It's been a total, totally different world that we've been living in. But uh, thank you guys very much for helping me get through it. And uh, special shout out to my boy Paul from B Town at Talking to Nobody. And that's T-A-L-K-N-T-O-N-O-B-O-D-Y. Talking to nobody. Uh, Paul, thanks very much for uh, the support. And uh, give him a follow if you like. Um, he's got some interesting tweets, that's for sure. Uh, he's a friend of the podcast, a friend of the host, and we appreciate him very much. So if you need to get at us, you have all of our uh, our handles and where you can find us. And our email address is useguysandthat at gmail.com. Please feel free to drop us a line if you want us to cover a topic, if you have a question. 
or if you uh, you know disagree with something and you want us to uh, make a correction, please, by all means, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. But um, that's all I have. And uh, for Angel the Sound Girl. Thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, please stay healthy, stay alive, and uh, be ready to fight for another day. We'll try to get another show out to you uh, later on this week or next week, excuse me. So be well, guys, and take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Bye.